So we're here, episode three of Fireside Takes. It's Thursday, June 18th, and uh, wow, episode three, but episode four, really, if you include zero, it's pretty intense. So we're here, and Ben has a big grin on his face, if you guys can see. Yeah, Do it's I have a big grin on my face? I do, right? You do. I do. You're blushing a little bit? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. Um, we have a lot to talk about. We're going to have a good night. We're going to have a good night. We're going to have a great night. How about, how about we just jump in, head right into it? You know, we're getting to a point, you know what I'm happy about? We're getting to a point in our podcast where, like, we're like, this is our fourth episode technically, right? Because we had a zero. Yeah. Um, so we don't, like, we've done our intros, like, we're at a point where we can be like, you know what? Let's get started. You know, let's get started. Oh, I love Like, it. you know? You know like, what I mean? for example. They're going to be bits. They're going to be bits. But we don't have to worry about, like, doing a bit before. We can just, let's head into this. Let's no, get, the, we the got a lot to talk actually. about. Yeah, yeah. We got a lot to talk about. We're talking about the uh, the AFC East to yep. begin with, you know, giving a little bit of a preview, recap of this offseason and, you know, what we think they're going to do this year. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, just like what you, like you were saying. We're talking in episode one about Tua and quarterback controversy. We're going to be talking about the Dolphins tonight. They know where we're holding, you know, yeah. our loyal fan base. We could just kind of jump right in. Yeah, by the way, just to give like some forward, sort of an overview. Sure. Um, we're going to try to do this for every division in the NFL over the course of the next, you know, few, we're obviously going to have other topics, but over our next episodes, we're going to try to cover the rest of the NFL, but we're starting with the AFC East. Um, again, obviously, we're not going to focus on this for the next million podcasts. We will have NBA and other topics. Stay tuned. But just so you guys know, eventually we will cover the whole NFL. This is definitely episode one in a series of NFL preview. Yes, good way to put that. So the AFC East is interesting, right? You look at it, you know, take a step back before we go into the teams themselves. This is a division that's been dominated by the Patriots, obviously, for the last two decades, right? I don't even know how many how many straight division titles did is it seventeen or something like that? It's some. It's maybe 11, they missed a year when Brady was injured, right? Belichick is 11 straight division titles. So when Brady was injured, I think in like 08, 08 it was, yes. they, they didn't win that year. Yes. Okay, but like they were probably the seven years before yeah. that too. So yeah. this is, a, you know, a division that as a Jets fan, I'll say I took a sigh of relief when I saw that he was leaving the division. He wasn't going to be terrorizing us anymore. And, you know, in this new landscape, AFC East, they have a tough schedule coming up. You know, obviously the way that the NFL scheduling works, they play uh, one division from the NFC, one division from the AFC, right. in addition to your own division and a couple of other teams. But the AFC East is playing the NFC West which has your NFC champion 49ers, the Seahawks, who are obviously always dangerous, MVP candidate Russell Wilson, and the Rams, and let's not sleep on the Cardinals, you know, Kyler Murray and some exciting things going on there, too. You got Nuke in the division, man. And then you got the AFC West, which is the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. Right. And the Broncos, who people are kind of excited about, and the Raiders, who, for some reason... You know what's hard for me? Just... Yeah. It's so hard for me not to jump on every team you're talking about. Oh, there's so, so much. much. So I'm just excited, but keep going. And these are just the teams that the AFC East will be playing, in addition to obviously playing each other. Right. So there's, you know, a lot of difficulty going in, despite the situation that might have mm-hmm. unfolded over the offseason. You know what I love about the AFC East? Let's it's, see. I don't know if this happens in other divisions. I'm sure if we analyze them, you can pinpoint a few matchups that it happens in. But it's one of those divisions that, like, for somehow year to year we see these upsets within the division like Dolphins beating the Patriots or the Jets always yeah. beating the Patriots for their run for their money even if they're a bad team at the time but like what other division do you see that consistent even if the team is bad they're giving that bigger better team like a run for their money like every year we see like, a few games of the Dolphins and the Dolphins beat them like once a year even though they're the last team in the league you know like what's going on it's just like so fun that they had that in that division you know listen don't get me wrong like I would rather the Patriots have not been in our division for the last 20 years but I think that that feeling of, you know, there being a superior team and teams trying to catch up to them and, you know, always falling short, it so gives a division like, a rivalry-type feel, and I think right. it's very similar, you know, in college, of course, you have things like that, but my biggest comparison is the AL East in baseball. You always have these powerhouses like the Yankees and the Red Sox, and it's always kind of pushing those teams around them to ca- try to catch up, mm-hmm. you know, some, like, tight competitions in September, and... Right. I don't know. I feel like competitive divisions spark, right. obviously spark rivalry. So I have – you just sparked a theory in my head. Do you mind if I share it? Please. So I'm going to give you my theory on why it is that, like, it seems like the Jets and the Dolphins are the only people, only teams in the NFL that can give the Patriots a consistent run for their money. Past Patriots is Brady. Let's say I don't know what's going to happen this year. We'll talk right. about it. We'll talk about Jared Stidham later. So this is my theory. My theory is that Bill Belichick instills so much fear before the matchup into a team but the Jets and Dolphins are used to playing the Patriots so much they don't have that like instilled fear because they're used to them. But other teams that like are so in awe of Bill Belichick and the Patriots when they play them like let's say once a year they're like well God the Patriots and they sort of like collapse under that fear. But the Jets and Dolphins are like okay we play them twice a year like they know sort of how to go at Bill Belichick you know 100%. so like, it, and then sometimes and mostly the Patriots win but that's why they give them that run for their money because they're ready to attack Bill Belichick and they, they don't have that instilled right. fear as much. And that's my theory. For 20 years, like, when you look at the schedule release, like, those are the two games that you're circling. Like, you are preparing right. your entire season for your Patriots because right. when you're the Jets or the Dolphins, that's your Super Bowl, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's the game that you're going to try your hardest. And obviously, with the Miami Miracle a couple of years right. ago, which was an insane ending. Uh, was it Kenyon Drake that scored that touchdown? 
Kenny Drake, which which one against um you know the flea the flea flicker and all the laterals against uh, against Patriots was it two years ago down in Miami on the Dolphins it was yeah. um was it Drake oh, it might have been Drake yeah when Gronk slipped yeah yeah I don't know why Gronk's back there but I mean to bat it down I know but it's similar to like the Julio um, Jones thing you know yeah yeah uh, I think it was Drake yeah I mean they all touched the ball so I don't remember but it was awesome it was yeah so fun to see that was great um so you know I know that was a miracle but but still they were in that game right that, that, that's how it ended but if there were four touchdowns behind it wouldn't have mattered Obviously, no it was a close game. game the entire time um, so, that was but they're giving to... them that run like how would they give them the run for their money I think that's that's my theory on that though yeah because um, if you're like the Chargers or like a team in, in a, the NFC South how often do you play the Patriots in in five years how many times are you playing them Patriots yeah uh, you're in five years playing them once if you're an NFC team right you play them once every four years in five years how many times are Jets playing them ten times. Ten. Yeah. You know, so that it's just a different. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. So that's uh, that's how I have. Yeah, that's my theory on that. Yeah, and a lot obviously to come on the Patriots uh, yeah. really soon. Yeah, we're gonna start with the AFC East. Yeah. So who do you, who do you want to start? With? Do you want to start with the Jets? Do you want to start with the Jets? Are you not wearing a Jets hat tonight? You, you I'm know, not wearing Jets. You know, hat you know what's funny? I think you've had Jets apparel on. Uh, not every time. No, you're not, not every you're time. Not, you're, you're the first time I wore hat. that goddamn Jets. Uh, now, now I'm actually not wearing my Jets hat. Right, I was thinking right. about wearing my Joe Namath jersey. Um, oh, oh, I said I was gonna dress up tonight. I forgot. You did. I was thinking about it. I forgot. Are you going to tell me what it was going to be, or are you no, going to no, leave next, next time? Next time, for sure. Okay, Ben texted me this week that he had some super special, special attire, attire Yeah, attire. Yeah, attire is a specific word, too. I didn't say, I didn't say like, a costume. I was thinking attire, what the know? word was. Attire. Yeah. Attire makes me think maybe you're just going to pull up in a suit. Yeah, not a suit, though. I wouldn't be happy if you pulled well, up in a suit. Well, I guess you can call it a suit, but it's not like a traditional suit, like a jacket. You know, it's my suit. I mean... It's my Iron Man. So many things going through my head. Yeah, and okay. you see them with yeah. your eyes. Really quickly before we jump into the AFC East, yeah. um, a couple of things that I saw were, you know, today was the a couple of big anniversaries in the world of sports. Oh, it's here, yeah. So June 18th, 2020 is today's date, and June 18th, I want to say it was 2013, um, and please correct, I think it is 2013, was Ray Allen's Game 6 shot oh, against the so Spurs. Oh, funny you mentioned it. I, okay, go on. Yeah. I just want to put out there that, you know, we've seen a lot of incredible basketball over our careers and over our, you know, fandom, let's say. I think that shot might be one of the most clutch, the most exciting, the most historic, you know, for so many reasons, would have given the Spurs another championship in that run. You know, LeBron and, and the big three would have been one and two in the finals right then, and it would have been a really big deal. And the fact that it's coming from a guy like Ray Allen, I mean, there's so much going on there. I love that moment. Yeah, you know, I think uh, Ray Allen deserves that shot. They hit that shot, and I think he's yeah. the perfect guy to shoot it, obviously. And uh, if we're talking about clutch NBA shots, I mean, there's a world out there, so... But you're definitely correct. We could do an episode on uh, clutch yeah, NBA ab- shots, absolutely. by the way. We could do 10, probably. Yeah. Um, absolutely. You know, now that you mentioned Ray Allen, I was watching SportsCenter recently, and I was watching Ray Allen was getting interviewed. I think it was Jalen Rose, maybe. I forgot who was interviewing him. Yeah, and, that makes sense. Yeah, and, they, and Ray Allen was talking about how him, Garnett, and Pierce aren't on very good terms, and Ray Allen's upset about that because they were Whoa. upset how he left the team and went to Miami. Oh, Rondo also wasn't happy with him, I think. It was like all, all three of them and yeah, yeah. not liking Ray. And even still now, he said, even now... Now, ten years later, they, yeah, they still aren't. He says they don't talk. I don't think they talk, and they don't like each other. And he was talking. He was talking about how for now, sure. now with everything that's going on in the world, he's like, now is not a time for us not to be in arms. You know, that's what he's talking about. And he's like, um, you know, it's sad that we have this between us. And he mentioned Kobe and all these things happening, and um, he's like, yeah, we still have this beef. And I was like, that's unbelievable, unbelievable. That's like, and he, Ray Allen's like, yeah, listen, like I'm very happy in my life. I wish we can get over it. He's like, you know, all I did was sign another team. Like, I didn't know that's, you know what, and apparently Paul Pierce has beef with, I think it is LeBron. Um, like, what's up, what's up with Paul Pierce, man? I think he doesn't like LeBron either. I think they're not on speaking terms either. I Listen, think. Paul Pierce is like a gritty guy. I could see him having beef with a bunch of different guys. I'm yeah, not surprised to hear it. post a little weird. Stuff, you know what I mean? I also think that, you Like, know, what's Paul personal? Pierce, Once you make it personal, that's, that, that's weird. I don't, I don't know Unless how personal happened. it's gotten. I, I can't I mean, he's not, speak he's to not it talk, He's not talking to Ray Allen. You know? that, that, I was upset to hear oh, that. Of course. Obviously, I'm hearing it from Ray Allen's side. Right. I'm sure Paul Pierce has something else to say about it. And maybe he did say something about it or responded. I, I haven't seen that. He's pretty active on Twitter, and I know he's on ESPN and separate, different shows and stuff like that. So Yeah. Um, no, that's exactly what I was going to say. So. Yeah, Paul Pierce, I think, is, uh, you know, and I could be wrong. We'll fact check this at the end. But I think that he is a notorious MJ over LeBron guy. Yeah. Um, which, you know. I think LeBron is very sensitive about his legacy and the way that people talk about him. So I yeah, can see that, and that's fine. Yeah. But I, it, I think like it's personal for Paul Pierce. Like he seems to not like them. Yeah, you know, and I'm not sure weird. what it's like on the, from their side. You know, again, I'm looking at it from one side. But now that I hear Ray Allen talk about that too, so I remember hearing about Paul Pierce and LeBron beef. I think, and then, you know, during the whole um, Last Dance situation, because you know MJ LeBron is a lot, that's a hot topic, right? And it always is, but especially then. And uh, Paul Pierce was talking about that, and him and LeBron. And then I heard Ray Allen and Paul Pierce. I'm like, what's the deal with this guy? You know, yeah. I can see Garnett kind of being like that. He seems like that, like that angry type of like, 
you know, big dude. But Paul Pierce, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't seem like that, but now I do. It's funny. Of. Kevin Garnett, you kind of have that perception that he yeah, is like that big, scary. Mean, like, I, I actually think he's really chill and funny. I think that's the kind of guy Uncut he is. Uncut Gems, he's also a little intimidating. He's a little, right, you know, but, I mean, but that's his role. And that's it's cool that he was able yeah. to act like that. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that it did require a certain degree of that's skill kind of in his acting. He's a big guy. You know, he's got like that mean 100%. perimeter plays. He's I mean, that perimeter, def- I mean, not the perimeter, the in- interior defender. Style. Yeah, aggressive. Yeah, just a scary guy, probably, yeah. Passionate. Yeah. And then the other thing, quick anniversary, just to yeah, you know, right, touch yeah. on. 15 years ago today, on June 18th, let's say 2005, the average Joe's gym defeated the Globo Gym Purple Cobras in Las Vegas in the Dodgeball Championship in Ben Stiller's Dodgeball. What? Wow, my God. ESPN was all over my Twitter feed with that today because, you know, they, that, lo- they love those bits. What does that mean, June 18th? Is that in the movie that was the date? That's, I guess, the, mo- the date the movie was released. Okay. I, I'm not sure. Maybe it wasn't it was in the, the movie date. I, I don't know, to tell okay. you the truth. Maybe it was the date in the That's movie. That's awesome, though. I wasn't even sure. I thought you were, I thought it was a bit. Then, and then you said Ben Stiller, and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, there's not much to say there. I just think it's a cute awesome. little tidbit. I love that. I didn't even cut it out. We'll see. 100%. I didn't see it coming. It was a pleasant surprise. Awesome. Um, and um, should we just jump right in? Yeah, let's jump right in. Uh, who do you want to start with? What team do you want to start with? So, obviously, part of me wants to start with the Jets. There's okay. a lot to say, though, and I don't know that I want to get so heated so early in the episode. Okay. My list has the Dolphins first for some so reason. Do I. That's probably. And who's second? The Bills. Okay. Dolphins first for me, so let's, let's run into it. Um, Since you're being so considerate. Not even consider it because I wouldn't mind if you did, but so since I, I respect how much you're holding yourself back and not talking about the Jets, and therefore I will serve the first div to you on a solar platter. Go ahead. Okay, so Miami Dolphins. the Miami Dolphins, 2019, and Ben, please, you know the way we're going to do this. Cut me off whenever. I'm not going to run through my entire sheet before yeah, yeah, you run through ahead. yours. Yeah. 2019, five and eleven. I think that pe- that was better than people had anticipated. You know, Fitzpatrick had a couple of nice games down the stretch. They obviously they beat the Patriots, and you know the team showed a little bit of promise, but. Uh, all when, you know when you look at the way that you were proceeding 2019, you thought that they were going to be 0 16. You know, so five and 11, not so terrible, in my opinion. And right. There's you know somewhere to build from. Free agency, they made a bunch of great moves, a lot of big splashes. That defense was strengthened by signings of Byron Jones, Kyle Van Noy, Emmanuel Ogba, Shaq Lawson. That's an incredible four guys to add to your defense. A defense that is now, I mean, they play in a really tough defensive um, division. Patriots obviously being one of the best in football. The Bills being one of the best and youngest in football. You know, you got Tredavious White, who we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Jets defense, you know, Jamal Adams, again, trying to not trying not to preview yeah, everything, I'm, but I'm respecting that. supposed to be a good defense. And, you know, now Miami is kind of competing in that regard as well. Yeah. So, this is what I'll say about the Dolphins. Um, I think they're getting, honestly, too much love. That's what I think. They dismantled their team last year. Yes. They literally, you see, you know what? I mean, Ryan Tannehill was their fran- supposed it, to be their franchise quarterback, right? right. And he just traded them, yeah. they traded him away like I nothing. Mean, forget that. Like, just all these guys they were sending away left and right. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick to the to the Steelers, and they sent away yeah. um, one of the, uh, Kenny and Drake. You know, these guys, they, they're just sending away left and right, like these cornerstones of their team. Um, I don't think they ever had cornerstones of their team, though. I think that's I guess, why I they're so I'm, eager to, like... Time. But the fact that... What I guess I mean, that they were dismantling in front of, like, their fans' eyes. It was just, like, just a crazy... Also mid-season, race. which is kind of rare in, yeah, in and, football. And, you know, and I kind of want to... I, I agree with you their signings are good, but I, I want to critique a signing of theirs specifically. Please. So, we all know they have Xavier um, Xavier and Howard, right? Sure. And he's well-paid. Um, they signed Byron Jones. He's now the highest-paid cornerback in the NFL, right? So, most a lot of their money is already going to Xavier and Howard. Uh, Xavier, not Xavier. 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 Yes. I don't know. I said Xavier. I said Xavier. Okay. Yeah, Xavier did. Howard. They signed Byron Jones for a ton of money, and the end of the first round, don't you know they drafted a cornerback? So you right. know, like Byron Jones, I don't think that was a good move at all on their part. Like, if they're gonna spend, why are they why are they spending on like a sort of an older cornerback and making him the highest paid? You know, I just don't agree with that move. Kyle Van Noy, I liked a lot. Um, they signed a few O linemen. A guy Austin Jackson. I don't know much about him. I know they signed a few, and they're trying to revamp. Right. The so that's a, that was definitely what I wanted. Yeah. To they they well. signed Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. Good runners. But again, again, what I'll say about those signings is that who did they let go of last year? Kenyon Drake. Right. Okay. So they signed Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard's injury prone. Yeah, don't and like Matt, Matt Breida. Okay, I think he was Niners. more. I think he was more of a function of the Niners having been, you know, a exactly, really aggressive exactly. run scheme. So I'm saying I'm not, I'm not impressed by those washed up running back no. signings. Right. Both injury prone too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The two thing is a whole nother discussion. I think it's I think it's smart they drafted their cornerstone, but the Byron Jones signing I really wanted to go into there because okay I agree with you Shaq Lawson yeah Kyle Van Noy definitely a good signing, but they already have Xavier Howard Byron Jones they draft a cornerback like I don't think they're looking that much better if you go through the record you know what? I'm gonna throw out my my record prediction for them this year oh let's hear I think it. they're going two and fourteen two and 
two and fourteen. Yeah, two and, and that's you know incredible. Funny? And I know that a lot of people are arguing with me about that because I, I was listening to podcasts and people have people are giving them six wins, seven wins. I'm giving them two. You go with their schedule. I will. I will stand by that. I. I, I, you know, I don't you know, see why they'd be winning more games than that. Two and fourteen is aggressive, but I yeah. have a similar outlook. And, and I wrote on the side maybe three. Three. Okay. Uh, I'll give him three and thirteen. So you know, let, let me let me tell you exactly where I stand on that. Mm-hmm. First of all, the Byron Jones point you make is great. Yeah. The answer to that question, I think, is that Miami had so much cap space going into the offseason, and they had fans that were so disappointed and ticked off by the way that the last number of seasons have gone, them blowing up their team in the middle of last season. They needed to make a splash. Byron Jones was one of the better players on the market, right. and they're like, you know what? Screw it. We're gonna overpay this guy to make our fans a little bit happy, like make it seem like we're gonna do move. that. I feel like you should splash on like maybe like a crazy offensive weapon. You know, like they're splashing on like an old. It's more exciting. You know, yes. Like, an older cornerback who's, you know, you already have Xavier Howard and you draft one. You know, like, why are you splashing that way? I just didn't think it was a great move on their part. I agree. You yeah, know? I hear you. And, I, yeah. the, you know, looking at the rest of the team, listen, I don't think that it's a given. We spoke about this earlier. We're not going to get into it now. I don't think it's a given that Tua starts week one. I think Fitzpatrick think has so to be considered for that position. But at the same time, like you said, this guy is a guy who they think is going to be, you know, their franchise quarterback for, for 15 years, they hope, mm-hmm. which is why they made, you know, the, the uh, offensive line improvements with er- right. signing Eric Flowers and Austin Eric Jackson Flowers, in the first sorry, round. Jackson, yeah. So that line is going to be there to protect a guy who, you know, has been injury prone throughout his college career. and People certainly have the same concerns about right. him in the NFL. By the yeah. way, I don't think their line's going to be any better if you really think about it. Eric Flowers was a bust from the Giants, right? Like, what is he? what is he really proven? You know, like, who says he's going to be anything of an improvement on the O-line? Might, might end up being a backup. Austin Jackson... Have you heard his? Was he a first round draft? Was he a draft? Pick? Yeah, he, he was a first round draft. Pick. Okay, yeah. first round draft. Pick, yeah. Right. Um, Maybe so seventeen. We, we don't know the deal with that either, right? So I'm saying, like, what set improvements they make on the offensive line? Like, okay, yeah, they, Jackson, I'll give to them. But like, besides that, we don't know if he's gonna be good. He's he was a seventeenth overall pick. It wasn't like one or two. It was not like no, but it was a class that we, I mean, listen. I'm going to speak about this more with Mikhail Becton. I don't know that offensive linemen are very easy for the casual fan. And I think we're more than casual fans, but still for fans to really talk about. But what I do know is that a lot of people were saying that it was a very strong draft, especially the first round for offensive linemen. So him going in the first round... You know, it says something. But like, what other improvements to the team they really make? You know, no, nothing great. Like, which what's is well, so different from last year? Okay, yeah. Byron Jones back there. Who's no. you know he's he, there's what, not what that much. He thirty years old. Like he's not like. He's oh, t- by the way, he's twenty seven years old. So oh, it's he's twenty seven. It's not that bad. Okay, I actually think I remember. Okay, he's the highest paid corner now in the yeah. league, though. No, I know. You know, and he, I, he's not deserving of that. It's just you know I, I don't I don't see that Jordan Howard Matt Breida like. What's Tua gonna work with there exactly? You know? No, I don't think I don't think much. I mean, listen, Devontae Parker, I think they is fantastic. Yeah, I think he's, he, a, he's a real he's over there, and, my, and I like Mike Kosicki. Um, Mike Kosicki, I was gonna mention him too. They still have Balage in the in the backfield, right? Kalen Balage. I think so. Um, they do, yeah. And they have Howard Breida. And okay, yeah. Like you said, Howard's not really a factor at this point. Like listen, there's nothing there. Guy. Let's let's be real. There's that offense is weak. And yeah, it's weak. Oh, and the whole line, oh, we don't know if that's an improvement at all. Maybe they'll go down. Maybe both those guys will be bad. Yeah. I, Flowers hasn't proven much. Maybe Jackson won't pan out that well. You know, yeah, and, and two is gonna need. A, he needs to be protected well if he's gonna play. He needs serious improvement. If they were smart, they would not play him this year. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, listen, are they gonna succeed this season? Absolutely no. not. Over under is six, and I think that you know six could be like a ceiling for them. You know, we're talking about ceilings and floors. Six could be yeah, that what ceiling. What's Adam Gase doing back there anyway? You're a Jets fan, like yeah. You know, you know Adam Gase, right? I don't, I don't want to talk about Adam. Gase. What does he do? I don't. I don't trust him. Was he the GM? Is he the? He, he's their GM, right? Adam Gase? No, he's a coach. We're gonna. Who's your GM? Joe Douglas. The Jets? Yeah. Yeah, Joe Douglas. We'll talk about that later. Did he take over any front office duties? Duties besides um, head coach or no? I don't think so. No, he didn't? Okay, fine. Um, fine. Yeah, anyway, we'll get into that after. But Yeah, but, you know, ceiling, I think the six win over under. I'm certainly taking the under if I have to make a decision. Floor, I wrote three wins, max, another to- and another top three pick. I think there's a really good chance that that happens again. Yeah, and the next team that we're going to discuss is a team that excited a lot last, uh, last season. They made the playoffs. Uh, the Buffalo Bills. Who were ten and six in 2019? Ben, what do you think about them going into 2020? Okay, so I wanted to give a quick recap of last season. Sure. Um, you know they had that upset, they had that loss in the overtime against the Texans, right? I think they were supposed to win that game. I think they blew a lead. It was they did blow a lead. That was an unbelievable yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. And, and, oh and okay, but you know what? It, they had a great game. If, I was, if I'm a Buffalo fan, I'm happy, right? Bills Mafia sure. is happy right now. Josh Allen's only going to get better. Um, the Bills, you know, they had the number two defense and points allowed. I think behind the Patriots last year. That's incredible. Um, so and Can't say the defense that. is only getting better. Like um, they signed Norman, right? They signed Norman back there. Yeah. The def- Tre'Davious White, like we said, is, is awesome. Um, Josh Allen's only one year better. Um, yeah. So last year they had that that overtime loss, which is really sad. Hopefully this year they can get past that point. Um, obviously they traded their first rounder for Diggs, so they signed Diggs back there. Now they lost Gore, but Gore's on the Jets. But who cares about that? Ah, I think Gore's old. Better. They got you know, but Josh Allen. This is in my eyes. This is his year to prove himself. You know. He's now one year improved. They made the playoffs already. So now their their fans are expecting a little more, right? They signed Diggs. They have um, I think his name is Kevin uh, Kevin Knox on the on the freaking Knicks. Dawson
a young skilled guy. They still have John Brown, the Cole Beasley, right? Still have Cole Beasley, yeah. I think, unless he left. Um, no, I think, I think this will happen. Yeah. So this is his year. You know, Singletary's. Like, it's also his year to prove himself. He's got the lead role back there, but it's really Josh Allen's time to shine. You know what I mean? They've surrounded him with the weapons. They're, their defense is in place. Tom Brady's gone. It's his time. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. You know, you look at the free agent class. Quick record. Please. I think I think they will go eleven and five. I'm eleven and five. Yep. I like that. Yeah, eleven and five. And the, I'm just gonna say, I did look through their schedules. I'm not just guessing based off like how how good I think they are. I went through their schedules and did win loss win loss, and that's what I came up with. Okay. Yeah, that's um, fair. Maybe we're happy to hear that you're methodical about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't just pulling it out of nowhere, you know. Yeah, and listen, eleven and five is also a strong prediction considering, yeah. like I said earlier, you know they're playing two pretty tough divisions in the NFC West and mm-hmm. AFC West. I like we have to say. And, you know, you look at the Bills, they're, they're a team who were really good last year, you know, better than some expected. Josh Allen took a tremendous step up in year two, and that defense, obviously, like you said, I did not know they were number two in points allowed. That's a really incredible stat. And the defense gets a little bit better. They sign A.J. Klein, who I think is a linebacker with some great experience. The Packers, they, maybe? Yeah. 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 Vernon Bu- Butler, Vernon who Butler. I see was the Panthers' 2016 first-round pick, who did not have a good number first number of seasons, but he had six last year, okay. six acts last year. They did, yeah, exactly. Dolphins, so they needed yeah. to replace that hole. Okay. And, you know, Josh Norman, I don't think he's going to produce that much for them right. on the field, but, you know, but I think he's a good presence in the locker one. room, and I don't he's think he's He's a good 3-4, you know? Yeah. Good guy to put in there if someone needs rest. And then the trade for Diggs. So Stefan Diggs is a guy who, you know, talent-wise, is a top 15, 20 receiver in the league, like, without without a question. Now, there's a real number one in Buffalo for Josh Allen to throw to, and I think that he takes an even bigger step up in year three. Their over-under is nine. Nine is a very high over-under for a team with a schedule like this. I'm a betting man. I think they still hit the over. Mm-hmm. This is the team to beat in the division right now. Sure. I hope that the Jets, you know, are the team that kind of sneaks in there, but I think that they're definitely, like, the Patriots of this year. People are, are striving to catch that. Right. I think it's more wide open than in some of the Brady years. You know, I think there's oh, a absolutely. chance some other team sneaks in there, but they're definitely the best one there. Their ceiling is 12 wins. I think they, you know, pull out a nice regular season win against a 49ers or a Chiefs team. It really puts them on the map. And they make it tough for the Ravens and the Chiefs in the playoffs. I don't think that they're at a, a Super Bowl point yet, for but sure. they have another competitive little run like over that. there. Floor is six or seven wins. They're winning six or seven games, I think, this year, no matter what. And, you know, worst case scenario, they let the Jets kind of beat them a couple of times, and the Jets take over the division. And, you know, that's my look on the, on the Bills. I think I like they're, they have a really exciting season. So, ahead so I'm going to say two things right now. Please. I am going to tell you my worry, my number one worry with the Bills. Yeah. And then I'm going to tell you my number one beneficiary from the Diggs trade, okay? And I'm going to have you guess who it is first, and it could be Diggs. Okay. Okay, so here we go. My number one worry with the Bills involves Diggs. Diggs is the type of guy to give some locker room problems. You know, he's going to want a lot of targets. The Bills are a growing offense. Josh Allen's still learning. It's hard to, like, give a guy like that, like, all the attention he needs. You know, he's still going to have to, like, his check down sometimes. You know, it's not easy for him to, like, build in that guy as his number one so fast and, like, get in the boatload of targets. He I don't needs. know, man. He's going to be seeing a lot of attention. He's a big-arm guy. He, I think he is ready to take the step of the number one receiver. He is, but, you know, to flood someone with targets, they're not going to have that much time together because of what's going on. I don't think it'll be, like, the same type of training camp. Right. Um, you know, and, like, he's going to he's gonna need some time to adapt to the new offense. There's sort of a new offense when a guy like that comes in. And um, Diggs is going to want a lot of things quick. He's one of those guys with many, many problems. And also, Diggs was on a Vikings offense. He's been for a while. He had Thielen over there, making Dalvin Cook making room for him, you know? He was, he's, most, he's he, he was arguably the number two in Minnesota. Right, it's a big right. step up to being he's number got, two He's got one. Gilmore in that division now, you know, yeah. on him. Um, but you're right. Listen, you're definitely right. He, he will see targets, and, and he is the one. Um, I don't I don't want to be too exagger- exaggerative with this, but I think that he's a he'll be quick to have problems. You know, he's one of those guys that will make problems quickly. So if he's that. not happy about one game, he has like he can have a game where like the Bills just do awful because they're a grown team, and he has one target for 11 yards, and he's one of those guys that like post on Twitter. After the you know, game, like, right? Yo, I need to be seeing the ball more, and then like those types of things. That's like, strong and it, ruin, and it ruins a young team, and unfortunately, we see this with a lot of players, and specifically receivers like Odell type of receivers. You know, uh. Michael Thomas on Twitter doing things. Um, but you know, I'm nervous about that a little bit, and I'll feel bad for Josh Allen if he has digs going at him. Yeah, I will. But I, and I hope it works out well. And now I'm going to tell you that my biggest beneficiary from Diggs trade. I'm going to give you. You know what? I want you to guess first. So listen, it could be Diggs. You keep saying it could be Diggs. It's a player on the Bills. I think it's Josh Allen. Okay. Um, I know. I know. You said that it's going to be difficult for him to kind of develop with you know having a number one receiver. I think that's so, and listen, I'm not comparing him by any stretch of the imagination to some of these great guys, but. Some of these guys who have the big-time seasons, the 4,000 yards, the 4,500 yards, you know, 40 touchdown-type seasons, and I don't think he's primed for that yet. 
but those guys are always throwing to a guy who's a clear-cut number one who they are flooding with targets. Obviously, they have, you know, a couple of other pieces, a good number two, a tight end, or a running back that they can check off to. You know, I think Drew Brees obviously has Michael Thomas as number one, but he still checks it off to Kamara. He's still got guys like, I don't know, Ted Ginn and uh, yeah. whoever else is over there yeah, that he can throw the ball to. Yeah. Right. That, I think about Peyton Now we got Sanders, by the way. It's crazy. Yeah, Oh, on. yeah. Right. We'll talk about oh, that. That's we'll an exciting the, team. We'll get to the South and South at some point. Yeah. You talk about, you know, a team like the Patriots uh, in 07 when Brady was having his best year. You had a Randy Moss over there. You talk about right. Peyton Manning. Peyton obviously had Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, right. and then later on he had Demarius Thomas. So I think that Josh Allen is a beneficiary of having a number one guy like Stephon Diggs. Okay. So in my mind, the biggest beneficiary to me was John Brown, and I'll tell you why. Oh, John Brown. I like that call a lot. John Brown was on my fantasy team last year. He put up great numbers. He was seeing a lot of targets. And it's hard on a Bills offense. He was the one. Keep that in mind. So the number one corner is on him. And he was doing well. Now you put Diggs back there. Singletary one year better. That opens up a lot of room for John Brown. To, and he can burn defense. You know what? Man. You're John really Brown right. Could, John Brown could take the top. I had my fantasy team. That, that guy was like my wide receiver one for a few weeks in a row. Like seriously. And, and I expect him to be like a three flex type guy in non-PPR and half PPR for us. You know what I mean? Right. So like now that he's he's like number two and they got Beasley, you know, and they have Knox and they have Singletary one year better and Allen one year better and Diggs. He's going to have a lot more room to just take the top off a of defense, man. I definitely and, and agree I, And you. I think he's a good fantasy pick, low-key. We get to fantasy at some point, but John Brown is my biggest beneficiary. So, you know, I, when I think about, like, number one, number two receiver dynamics, yeah. my favorite example, obviously I'm biased, is 2015 Jets team. So, Eric Decker is coming from a guy who was number two in Denver, right? N- number two behind, yeah. uh, let's say, um, Demarius Thomas Very for the majority, right. for majority time, right? right? Eric Decker then comes to the Jets. He's the number one for a couple of years. Not so great. Mm-hmm. Brandon Marshall comes to town. Brandon right. Marshall's the one, and Eric Decker now goes back to a two. Both of their numbers skyrocket. And he's scoring touchdowns. Brandon Marshall, right. you know what I looked at? Actually, I saw this week came across. Brandon Marshall is the Jets' single season receiving record uh, leader with fifteen hundred yards that season. Fifteen hundred. That's of their incre- history. Yeah. Really? Yo, fifteen hundred is a crazy that, number. Is that what he had? Fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred and seven. It's twenty fifteen. I thought he was washed yep. up by then. No, that he killed it that year. And after and that, Eric Decker was thousand yards. Right? Also, yeah, he was done. Nothing. Yeah, he was, he's Got on the Giants for a bit. Something. Yeah, but that's a really interesting, you know, John yeah, John Brown point that you make over there. I think that he definitely uh, benefits from going from a number one watch to him a take number the top two off the defense this year. He's not going to feel more on him. Watch him just. Re- I'm telling you, that guy is going to have some big fantasy weeks. Just yeah. Watch out for John Brown, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, and that's our recap on the Buffalo Bills. We're halfway through the division at this point. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about my team, the New York Jets. Absolutely, let's do it. We're talking about the AFC East in our 2020 Outlook 2019 recap, uh, you know, going through team by team, and we're up to my hometown team, my favorite team, and, you know, a team that might at the end of the day be the death of me, the New York Jets. I will not even say anything. I will let you roll. I'm just going to get right into it, and I might just get into a really long little soliloquy over here. Go ahead. Feel bad for me. It's been a tough... 20 years, so, you know, I definitely have the right to vent a little bit over here. Dude, 2019, we were 7-9. 7-9 and nine. Seven and nine is the most Jets record ever. You know why? You're not making the playoffs at 7-9, obviously. You're, barely, you're not really making an 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven these days. But 7-9, you're certainly not making it, so that you know you're a bad team, but you're also not getting a great draft pick. Right? Right. It, it's tough. The 11 this you're year? You're in the teens. We don't right. have 11. Right. What is that? I'm, give, give me three. Right. Fine. 6-2 and two over the last eight games. Like I said, you know, one of our earlier episodes, I'm really excited about that. You know, maybe that false hope, sense of optimism that every Jets fan has going into every single season. But nevertheless, I'm excited. Inj- injuries to I'm not gonna you real. Injuries to defense that you have back now too. You're yes. getting into that, I'm sure. Go we ahead, were yeah. super injured last year, and yeah. we're coming back healthy. Let's talk about the free agency first. Right. Rashad Perriman was our biggest signing. Mm-hmm. It leads a weak wide receiver class, which is going to make it very difficult for Donald to make the step up in 2020 that people are expecting of him in this in this healthy year. Nevertheless. I've seen some great stats out there about his efficiency, about his, you know, true uh, accuracy rating, right? Not, not including, like, down, like little check downs. He's, like, top seven or eight in the league in some of these categories. He's, like, you know, more advanced analytical categories. And we see it on the field. When he's healthy, he plays some really good ball. It sucks that he doesn't have the guys around him, I think, that he needs weapon-wise. But if he stays healthy this year, it's going to be exciting. And they bolster the O-line for him, finally. Which I still don't think is at a good point where, you know, he and Le'Veon are going to really have the protection that they need. But signing guys like Greg Van Roden, Connor McGovern, and George Fant, and re-signing Alex Lewis makes the offensive line Becton. maybe formidable. Maybe Becton. Becton. Oh no, of course we're going to get there. Right. And then we got the draft. So Makai Becton. Listen, we mentioned this earlier. I think it's very difficult for me to evaluate an offensive tackle in terms of draft position compared to a guy like Andrew Thomas, who the Giants took at number four, which is obviously a big debate that we had with our Giants fan friends. I can't say for sure that I'm an expert in evaluating offensive tackles. However, here's what I do know. The guy is, what is he, like 6'11 or something like that? And 330, 40 pounds. He's a huge guy. Right. And apparently he's like nimble too. You see the tape? He moves around a little bit. 
And at the tackle position, you know, with the edge rushers, he's going to play, play in that division. And, you know, this year playing teams like the AFC and NFC West with great pass rushers, it's exciting to see that they have a huge guy who can maybe be a little bit of a force over there. Denzel Mims is a second-round pick. He's going to, you know, come in and be, an, I guess, a little bit of a second or third receiver now that Anunua seems like he's going to be out for the year. Might even be the second receiver thrown in out of the second round. And then Ashton Davis out of California in the, in the secondary. Here's where we're at right now. The team did not get that much better. We're healthy. We have Mosley and Williamson back. Hope Williamson still is on the fence, actually. Darnold hopefully will stay away from Mono and his other injuries that are staying around him. However, it seems like he has a pretty terrible immune system. So you know, it seems I hope that he stays inside for the next couple of months. Um, and listen, I have that sense of optimism. We still have Le'Veon Bell. We still have you know a bunch of defensive pieces that are really exciting for us. But here's where it gets to the big exciting news that was broken just today. Jamal Adams, who is the only really the only good player or proven player on this entire roster, a guy who we look at as being, you know, our best player arguably since Revis, right? One of my favorite Jets that I've seen in my lifetime. A guy who's only three years into his career and has two years remaining on his contract who says that he has officially asked for a trade, according to Adam Schefter, reported about six hours ago. He has a list of seven teams who he reportedly wants to go to. You know, it includes the Seahawks, the Chiefs, the 49ers, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Texans, the Ravens. I might have gotten all of them, yeah, whatever it is. Those are some of the best teams in the NFL. Like, that's basically what this guy is saying that he's giving up. And I hate to be a Jets fan that bashes Jamal because, Jamal, I absolutely love you. And I know you're a big fan of the show, so, you know, don't take this personally. But I think that at this point in your career, you're three years in. 2020 is still kind of up for grabs. Nobody knows exactly what's going to happen this season. The cap is going to change cer- certainly after next year due to some of the losses that have been going on. And, you know, obviously it changes pretty much every single year. And you have two years left on your deal. This isn't the first time that there are rumors about him asking for a trade. It was going on all last season, which is only his third season. At that point, he was halfway through his deal, and he's talking about a trade. You're an all-pro player. You're the best player this team has, and you're only getting better. We completely agree. The ownership has said many times that they're willing and ready to pay you. They need to see what's going on with this coming season and then you know, prepare themselves a little bit for the future. Because if you want to be here like you say that you have in the past, then you need to allow them to spread the money around these couple of years before you actually need a contract to make sure there's a decent team around you so you can be competitive going forward. So I think it's a little bit haughty of Jamal to come out here and make this statement, especially now in the offseason. Like, nobody even knows what's going on for the season, but now we have to worry about Jamal Adams. It gives sportscasters something to talk about because there's no other sports going on. But this is a terrible thing to be coming out right now for a team that's supposed to be going into a fresh, young, exciting year, finally, with some talent. And that's my Jamal Adams rant. I don't like it. I'm so upset by it. I'm so it's, agree it, with you. It, it's so, it's I so... love him. That's the worst part. It's like you have this player in your team who is your star, who is an all-pro in the league, which is rare. To, I'm saying there are only, what, there are 22 all first-team all-pros in the league, and we have one of them. We're the Jets, right? So that's exciting. You want, with all of your heart, to love this guy, and he does things like this that just make me think, like, how badly do you actually want to be here? Because right. you know what? You could say whatever you want to say about the Jets. People are passionate about playing New York football. Right. Regardless if you're, the, if you're the Jets, regardless of the success that you've had, Sam Darnold has spoken about loving the city. Le'Veon you know, came to New York and has said, despite his struggles last year, that he loves the city and he's excited about playing football in New York, despite some trade rumors even that were going on with him. But to, for Jamal to do this, he's our, our savior, our hope, and, and everything that we have as a football team that make us somewhat legitimate, a guy that you actually have to game plan for, and not being like, oh, it's Brashard Perriman and Denzel Mims. You don't need to do anything for this team. He's an actual player. He's our guy. He's been keeping the secondary up. And I'm sorry that I'm ranting a bit too long No, over no, here. you're not at all, man. I'm really... Listen, my first bullet point, I mean, you can tell everyone what it is. It's Adams and exclamation point under the Jets. I mean, yeah. it's my first... Because, like, I like the point you made that he's, he's he wants to go to those seven teams that are all just, like, these Super Bowl contenders. He's, he's looking, But he's not, he's not looking to, like, stick with his team. You know, it's, it's sad to see. He's only three and, years and I, in. And, you know, that's, there's a whole other rant that can go on, but I feel like that's dying in sports in general. Where people are like... Loyalty? Oh, yeah, loyalty. A Dirk Nowitzki? It's just, yeah, it's dying. It's uh, Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan. It's all. There's a ton. You know, ton of guys like that. But it's dying. Yeah. You know, and Jamal, and I totally agree with you. And he's three years in. He's not Brady leaving after 18 years. To be honest with you, the contract details I did not know. But now that I know that, that that makes it even worse. I didn't know, you know, that he's halfway through his deal and all that. But you're totally right. He should give them the leeway to, like you said, spread it around and build in front of him until he needs a contract. We'll save the money for you. And and, and I know, I've seen Jets reports, and you're right, I've seen Jets reports come out, the the ownership come out and said, we will pay you, we want to pay you, we want you here, we value you as a player, you're great, you are our cornerstone, and they're willing to pay him like that. And they've come out and said that, and he knows that. 
Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It makes you know, it's upsetting. It really is upsetting. The only thing I'm going to say on the bright side, and I really hope that Jets ownership and management decide, you know, to kind of not let him dictate the situation right now. I hope they actually hardball him a little bit, you know, at least for the remainder of the offseason, and basically say, you know, we own your rights for the next two seasons. You're not going to hold out right. for two years. Like, I think holding out, like, after the whole Le'Veon bit, I think guys are moving away from that and saying yeah, that they're Melvin, not going to Melvin as lost much. a lot of money. Melvin lost a lot of a money. Lot of money. Le'Veon did not make as much money as he thought he was going to, and yeah. obviously, you know, hasn't seen so much success yet. And you're not holding out for two years. Guys are not going to just leave for two years of their prime and then expect to get the money that they want at that point. Yeah. So hardball him a little bit, let him come back, and maybe see you know, if this team can do something, be exciting for him, and you know, give him reason to want to stay. Which brings me to the over-under for the Jets, which is seven wins, which, you know, like I said, they always hover around the seven-win seven line, so it's a really tough call to make. Listen, I'm optimistic about the Jets. I'm optimistic about the Jets every single year, so me saying that I'm going to take the over is not much of a you know big statement that I'm coming out with, but I think that this team's ceiling is 10 or 11 wins. I really believe it, and I think there's a very good chance that in December or January we're sitting here and listening to this, and we can just laugh at me that the Jets had another Jets-like season, and I was wrong once again. I think that if we stay healthy, if Jamal stays on the field and you know th- that thing gets resolved to a certain extent, if Darnold develops the way that we expect him to, and yeah, it doesn't have you know the top-notch receivers to throw the ball to, but makes, them, but makes them enough, and you protect Le'Veon, protect and you, and you run the Get him, get him involved in the receiving game. He's, yeah. he's one of the best receiving, receiving backs we've seen in our lifetime here. Ever. Ever. Get him, and, and I think with Darnold he will, but you got to protect Darnold. That's where it starts, the O-line. It's starting with the O-line. Can I tell you my, my second Jets that I have Please. over here? Last year, they they were the second-worst scoring offense in the league. The second-worst. I know Darnold is out for a large portion. No, it doesn't matter. But the second-worst scoring offense. That's where it starts for them. Their defense, I don't know what the numbers were, but they're always, like you said, mediocre. They're in the teens somewhere, and that's a 10-15 over on the league. I think they're like 15 last year, 16, right? Yeah. So they're in the mediocre range, um, like the 500 and the average there, right? So their defense, I think, will only improve getting Mosley back, assuming Adam stays. If Adam leaves, we're having a whole other discussion. Assuming assuming Adam stays and they got Mosley back Mosley really quickly? Yeah. You know how long we saw him play football for us last year, right? Yeah. Three quarters. Three right. quarters of one game. Right, right. You know he had a pick six in that in that in that period. Was I, it a I he forced catch? a fumble. Yeah, he like tipped it up to himself and, like and ran back down yeah, the right yeah. sideline. I think he might have forced a fumble also. He was like Dude, we saw him on the Ravens. He was a noticeable a presence in three quarters of one game for us. This guy, one of the best I, linebackers in the league, went healthy. A hundred percent, and I'm Dude, so excited to see that. And him and Avery Williamson, I think, is you know the best, li- arguably the best linebacker duo in this entire league. If if Mosley's healthy and playing like he did in 2015 Ravens or whatever it was, in 2018, last year of his Ravens contract, then for sure. Um, but again, second worst scoring offense in the league last year. Losing a new one hurts again. You know, I, I, he hasn't. He's not so proven, but he's a good receiver when he's healthy. Um, what is the neck injury that's keeping out, him out again? Is that yeah, what it is? Yeah, it's neck it's sad. It's sad. Yeah. Um, so again, they lost Robbie Anderson, their only real vertical threat. Like who did they, Denzel Mims? It's not easy to put a rookie receiver into an offense that's not so good already. Yeah. You know, he's not. He could easily just not be a big factor. Um, so who's like your second who's, receiver? So who's your one? Perriman. Yeah. I think Perriman. No, your, your one, one is Ryan, Ryan Griffin. Yeah, our one or is Ryan. Chris Herndon and, and, and you know, a great stab at the Jets. There was a year that the Jets, I think, had like maybe four completions to tight ends all year. Like this is a team that doesn't throw to them. Obviously, like with your young guys, like you know, like Darnold, you want to have a tight end option. So I'm happy that they do have Griffin. You know, it's in there. Um, but yeah, you want to be able to throw the ball to your receivers. You're a guy like right. Darnold, and you're super talented. I think you're past the point where you're just looking for checkdowns. Right. You put Le'Veon. You know, I think you line him up in the. I don't know. Bell least. needs five, six receptions a game in my yeah. eyes. Easy. Yeah. Minimum. What, he needs seven targets. Who else is getting the targets? He should be getting seven targets a game. He is your best receiver Dude, on the crazy. team. Let him... I, I think sure. that he should line up on, at receiver for half yeah, the game anyway. Yeah, slot. I mean, you signed Frank Gore for a reason. Give him a couple right. of carries. Put him in the back. They still have time Montgomery? No, they don't have time Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Or Powell, actually. Where's Ivory now? I know he was, in Jack- he was in Jacksonville for a bit. I don't know if he's still there. I, he just panned out after that but six years played, of the Jets. Yeah, yeah, also right. 2015. Right. That offense right. was phenomenal in 2015. Wow. Yeah. Stop it. And the floor for oh, yeah. these guys, really quickly. Mm-hmm. So my prediction, yeah. So mine is, I'm calling six and ten for them. Yeah. So six and ten, I think, is very accurate. Assuming Adam stays. Yes. And Darnold Wait. doesn't get mono. So you think that that's their their ceiling is what you're saying? My ceiling is seven and nine. Okay. I you know what? I, there's, a, there's a good chance you're right. I I can't say this. Just because of what's the pat what the as if I were a Jets fan, I would also say ten wins. But just me looking from an outside perspective, I just don't like what's going on with Adams, and like I don't love the receiving core and. Unless I see a major improvement in Bell, if I see week one th- through week three, Bell's like doing well, I'll, I'll move that up. But yeah. for now, you know, assuming that the line's going to be like maybe a little bit better, 
I gotta say, significant dude. He had two point nine yards per carry one point throughout the season. Yeah, that's, I think, even, that's like, and a half. I think that's thirty first in the league. Like mm-hmm. that's gotta go up a lot. Yeah, you know, until that happens, second worst going offense in the league. That scares me. It scares me. Yes. I think that's all we have to say about the Jets. Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't. You, I don't want to cover talk about basically everything. So I was going to talk about Beckton a little bit, but you know that nothing. I, nothing I, I that lost was, all my energy like yelling anything. about Jamal Adams, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm just I'm ready to, for a more exciting team for me, honestly, yeah. and that we get to finally talk about the New England Patriots in a year where they are not negativity. the favorites. Yeah, let's do this. You know, 2019, 12 and four, 12 and four. I mean, I don't think they were even that good last year, but that team obviously is taking a tremendous step back this year with no Brady. Let me hear what you think, in, you know, of the first year of the Patriots post-Brady era. So here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to take an interesting perspective on this. I'm going to start with their defense. Um, their defense, they started off 8-0. Um, we, all know, we all know their defense was dominant for a large portion of the season. But the last eight games, their defense collapsed, and they were 4-4. Four and four. Um, So I'm nervous for them going into the season. Yes, they started 8-0, and a big reason for that was Noah Aaron. Shout out to Noah Aaron. Noah Aaron's Patriot defense. Oh, um, man, they just were going yeah, crazy just absolutely year. crushing it. But they, you know, but they kind of collapsed towards the end. We saw that loss to the Dolphins. They went four and four. So I'm not like sold on that defense. They lost Kyle Van Noy um, to the Dolphins, and you know, we'll see if that if that defense holds. That's definitely the strong point for me. Now we get to Stidham. Stidham, I think, was a fourth round draft pick last season. We don't know. Even analysts are saying this. I try to get information on him. No one knows anything about Stidham. The yeah. only positive I see about Stidham is that you can't plan for him if you're a defense because you just don't tape on him. Okay, unless you look at college. So that's the only positive I see for now. Again, you know I'm going to bring this up right now for the Patriots. Tom Brady is, maybe it's Bill Belichick, you argue, but for now in my eyes, Tom Brady is magical in terms of turning no-name receivers into good ones. Tell me weapons that they have. This guy, Stidham's going to have no weapons on his side. They have Sanu, Edelman. Yes, they have a solid running back. So they, have, they have Sony Michelle and they have James White. Fine. They have Edelman and, and Sanu. That's the only receiving, receiving threats they have there. Edelman's not like that, that number one guy that's like, you know, beating defenders and, like, getting open. He's, like, that slot guy. He's, like, quick. You know, he's, like, Brady with those quick routes targeting, targeting him. It's a new offense. I don't know if Edelman's going to thrive there. You know, Brady had a connection with Edelman. I don't know if he's a true one. Yeah. You know, he's not, like, a dominant receiver. Sanu is, like, come on, Sanu. This guy has no weapons around him. No. You know, I'm not – yes, he has – his running backs are solid. But Stidham, we saw Brady flourish with these guys. Stidham's going to need a lot, man. But you know what I think about Stidham, though? Yeah. I think that the system that has been in place in that offense for so long at this point, which has – you know, the thing about the Patriots offense and the guys that were surrounding Brady throughout all those years, they changed from year to year, right? right. Saying the guy like Julian Edelman, that was Wes Welker before that, right? And, you know, your guy, you, you had Randy Moss at points, and then you had, you know, guys like, uh, I don't know, there were some no-names that were playing receiver, at the, you know, throughout the years. You had Danny, Danny Amendola right, in there right, for a right. while. Obviously, you know, Gronk was a big presence there for a number of years, but there were guys before him and there were guys after him. And I think that, obviously, every piece that moved around besides Brady but maybe there's a chance that you put Stidham in there and the system around him is just good enough that he is okay to run the offense he's been watching for a number of years. Is it two years that he's been watching already? I think one. Only one? Yeah, I think he's a fourth-round draft pick last year, 2019. Oh, I'm I saying, think. I'm not counting sure. out a guy who sat behind Brady for an entire year, got to learn at Belichick, and you know is in an, a system that has been successful in this league for two decades. Right. I, I hear that. I do hear that, but you know, we don't know how much credit how much of Bill Belichick's credit goes to Brady yet. I know that he's one of the best coaches, if not the best coach of all time. That's a tremendous debate about the Patriots. But we have, you know, is it Brady or is it Belichick? Right, and we'll sure. find out this year. Not for sure. I don't think that one year is going to completely settle the argument. But yeah, it's a really fascinating, you know, sports in general argument. Is it a coaching system or is it a player? You know, is it your Greg Popovich or is it your Tim Duncan? Um, I think it's Tim Duncan, but, you know, shout out to Pop. He's also, you know, one of the GOATs. But, you know, you talk about the Patriots going into 2020. The free agent class is is underwhelming. Brandon Copeland, Adrian Phillips, and the most exciting signing they made, I think, was Brian Hoyer, who is more likely than not going to be the backup quarterback. Your draft, you had no first-rounders, and you know your second and third and fourth, I think, were all focused on the defense. A, you know, a unit that, was, that has already been strong. Right. The over-under for this team is 9.5. Okay. okay. If I was a betting man, which yeah. obviously being that in the state of New York it is currently illegal, but if I were to be a betting man, I would put a lot of money on under 9.5. I think that is extremely aggressive. Wow. They won 12 games last year behind a defense that was playing some of its best ball, and I don't know that they can repeat the exact same performance. You know, that's, sure. a, that's a very rare type of season that they put together last year. And obviously you're downgrading tremendously with you know Brady to Jared Sidham or Brian Hoyer. 10 wins is really, really a stretch. Mm-hmm. Even if they have a good year for them, I think 9 wins would be a very solid year, considering yep. that's still under. 
I take a, I put a lot of money on the under. I got, the ceiling yeah. for me is ten wins. I There's, got them at eight and eight. I think yeah. I think I got them at eight and eight because I think Belichick will still implement some good game plans and, and he will just win some games for them. And Stidham, again, not teams don't know how to prepare for him. I think they'll pull out some wins. You know, they'll still sweep and the Dolphins. I think they'll sweep him this year. Yeah. Even you know, maybe they'll lose a game. They're classic, but hopefully they sweep him like they should be sweeping him. Um, and I think they'll pull out eight and eight, but I don't think they'll be better than that. I think their floor, though, you know, as much as we say that they don't have such a high ceiling, their floor is still a pretty high at five to six wins, in my opinion, because no matter what, like you said, Belichick is going to, you know, game plan them very nicely for a lot of those games, especially the divisional games. The defense is good enough to certainly win you a few games like you won yeah, eight in a row last year. Sure. Uh, you know, they're not going to be a bottom of the league team right away. But I think we're past the era where the Patriots are given to make the playoffs. Oh, I for sure. say with most of my heart that they will not be in the playoffs this coming year. And that makes me very, very, very happy. You know what's funny? I'm f- if the if the Bills aren't what people think they're going to be this year, yeah. if they for some reason collapse and the Jets are classic, it might be the Patriots division again. Oh, no, stop it. Let's say the Jets go 6-10. and 10. I don't right? want to hear that. Yeah, that's, that's possible. And, the, and the Bills, like, okay, they kind of downgrade. They, they have, like, nine wins instead of... Probably they they and, could even win eight, right? Like, yeah, that's not right. That crazy no, and, the, and the Patriots go eight and eight and, like, and win, like, a, 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 no. play, a playout game or whatever. And um, I don't want to hear that. But you know possible. what? It's not that crazy. It's not that crazy. I think it's not they, that crazy. I, I think they but get I, I think the Bills have a very easy schedule. schedule. I'm pretty sure the Bills have a, a specifically easy schedule. I think the Patriots have the har- maybe the hardest, number yeah. one hardest strength schedule. Which, by the way, their defense is going to need to be number the, one. What I, I was thinking about this also. By the way, it's funny. I have a lot of these great, um, like randomly profound thoughts in the shower about sports because obviously it. that's like what's just occupying my time when I'm idle. Yeah. So strength of schedule is something that's calculated based on last year's schedule. Right. I think that we have to take it with a grain of salt, and we can look at it a little more deeply into exactly how it's calculated. I think it's just the win loss record of your opponents from the previous year. So that is a little bit skewed in that teams, you know, could be projected to be much better or much worse than their previous year's record indicated 12 and 4 patriots last year you value them as a 12 and 4 team in that calculation they're not a 12 and 4 team right you don't look at them like that so you know the the afc east as a as a a division in general typically all four teams are in the top seven or eight in terms of strength in terms of like strength schedule which is obviously something that you don't want to hear as a fan but i think a lot of that is skewed due to the fact that they you know play in a division with brady who's always winning you know 11 or 12 games um and yeah, I don't. I don't think that it should be weighed that heavily in considering you know this team's prospects for 2020. It's gonna be really interesting. I'm. Re- I think. I think the Patriots are one of the more interesting stories in the league this year. Where Jared Stidham, they may not even stick with him. Who know, the Patriots are one of those teams that doesn't tell. They don't. No one knows what's going on with them. We come like a week before the season. They could be. By the way, they're gonna sign that guy who's on the Frazier market. You forgot about Cam know? Newton. Yeah, but he is. I know he's not a Patriots quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised if Belichick just did it in like week two Can or three you? of the preseason. Guy still doesn't have a job. I, 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 I like would move lo- I, honestly, I, I, I hate, like I hate the Patriots. I would be excited to watch that. I think that would be so cool. So cool. Uh, like that's obviously like you think of Cam Newton as like a very mobile quarterback. I think he's kind of dispelled that myth a little bit over the last couple of years. He's getting yeah. a little bit older, a little more injury prone. He's but he's become a little bit of a better pocket passer. Yeah. But obviously tremendously different from Brady being the you know one of the ultimate pocket passers over the last number of years. Um, it would be interesting to see how Cam Newton takes over that system. It's a very, you know, not uneven predecessor from Brady. Like, I feel like Jared Stidham, the little that we do how know... How nervous are you if you Jared Stidham? Oh, I mean... How nervous are those you? Those are the biggest shoes that you ever have to fill. Probably the biggest shoes of all, of all time. And the shoes thing of all is, time, right? Is I it not of all time? 100%. All time. Another one of my, you know, sh- my, sh- ironically, shower thoughts from today. Okay. The over-unders that, are, that we, we get in Vegas, okay? Yeah. These are things that, are, that work like a market, right? They work like a stock market. Right. They are not based, obviously, in fact, because there is no fact as to how a team is going to perform right. in the future. Right. But it's based on what the betters, what the outside people and the general public think that is going to be. So if they start off as, you know, over seven and a half, and a lot of people are betting on the over, it moves to eight, eight right. and a half. Right. So people are thinking that they're still going to have a good season, which means that the sentiment generally is that the expectation for Jared Stidham in his first, in his really his first year, is to have nine or ten wins this year. That's really tough. You're you, literally you know following what I think the, the sentiment goat? is. I think the sentiment is that Bill Belichick will have nine or ten wins this year. I know, but Jared Stidham still got to do. At the end of the right. day, he's Bill Belichick could be ball. great. He's not throwing the football. He's right, not definitely. catching the football. He's right. not playing defense. He's on the sidelines. Jared right. Stidham's got to put up some kind of numbers to win games. He could just be. I see them running 10. a ton this year. They're yeah. going to run a ton. So did Michelle and James White. That's what it is. He could. Jared Stidham could be Short ten routes. for fifteen on a game with a hundred yards Easy. and no interceptions, no touchdowns, and he's good. Ryan ten exactly. Although Patriots don't have a Derrick Henry, right. Or I, that I th- line. Or I, that O-line. Or that O-line. Yeah. I think Sony Michelle's 
good. I think James White is good. I think a lot of it was factors of the fact that they weren't really Brady great game action. plan yeah, for, for because sure. they're with Brady. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to be stacking that box against Stidham. They're going to be. They're going to be pressuring him. I'm honestly I'm excited. Defense, I'm throwing to, pressure at Stidham. I mean, yeah. You know, by the way, I think Stidham did play a game last year in relief, and Jamal Adams actually took a pick six off of him. Um, really? Yes. I was going to say, I was, I'd be very excited to watch that Jets defense kind of yeah. feast. Because, you know, obviously Brady's that, the torch That Jets forever. defense could be top ten. I mean, be top ten. Because think about it. it. What were they last year? I, I don't remember. You, was so they, they were the teams, right? Years, they yeah. got Mosley back healthy. Hope, uh, listen, assuming Adams is there. I think they have the potential to be top ten I think for they'd sure. Be top 10. And, and, and the Jets defense, like being gritty, they always are pretty – like, they always have a solid defense, you yeah. know? That's like one of their cornerstones, like the Jets defense, you know? But their offense, number two, last scoring in the league, right? Bottom two, second worst scoring. Yeah. But that's that's bad, man. You got Le'Veon Bell in your backfield. How are you bottom two? You know? I don't know. I mean, I think last year is very difficult to judge based on the metrics, know, just because I of know. all the injuries. And I know that it's like a you know a kind of like a buyout or a cop out kind of answer, but it is. No, it's not. I it, mean, it's not. It's I mean, not. You don't, you don't think about really, the Patriots twenty really twenty eight season, situation. right? Because of Brady's injury, right, I think right. that you don't value certain seasons because right. if they were so heavily impacted by injuries. I guess the real stat I would say was two point nine yards per carry for Le'Veon Bell. That's a scary. No, that's season. valid. That's yeah, scary. that's totally valid. And you lost Robbie Anderson, which you know, he he was solid. He was solid. Yeah, solid vertical threat. You know, he's a solid John Brown vertical threat type guy. You know, um, and he's valuable for an offense. And I think the Panthers are going to use him well. By the way, the Panthers' offense sounds pretty loaded. They got DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. They just signed Robbie Anderson. Obviously, CMC. Yeah, if Bridgewater plays well. I mean, we can we'll, again we'll go to the NFC South at another point. But uh, if we're if you know being that we're finishing up the AFC East, and no matter what, even if Brady's not in the division, you can't talk about the AFC East without Brady, like we've talked about a lot tonight. To talk about the Buccaneers really, really quickly. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. They're not making the playoffs either, dude. The Buccaneers? They're not making the playoffs. Why? And I know that we're not supposed to be talking about this, but I think that the Patriots aren't making the playoffs, and I'm thinking the Bucs aren't either. We talked about the the Brady-Belichick breakup. This is kind of, I guess, how we can kind of still keep this connected to the AFC East. I think that, you know, yes, individually they're both great. What made them both great was the fact that they were together. Right. I think that in the post-Brady era for Belichick and the post-Belichick era for Brady— they will each prove to have weaknesses. Obviously, Brady's got his older side anyway. And the NFC South, man, I don't think they're better than the Saints. And I think, like you just said, that the Pan- that Panthers team, obviously defense has more question marks, and we'll go into depth about that in our further ep- in a later episode. That offense has potential to, you know, be a top 10 offense yeah, in the league also. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, but, you know, I, I, what I, I like about Brady fail. I'll tell you that I, I agree with you. Listen, I'm a Colts fan. I agree with you. I recently watched the... 2007 AFC Championship Colts versus Patriots. I watched the entire game. The Colts won 38-34. They were down 21-3 going in, going into the half. 21-6 going to the half, I think. Wow. Or 21-3, yeah. They were down that much going to the half and they won the game. So fun watching it. Um, they won the, the Colts won the Super Bowl that year against the Bears. What are you watching on Game Pass? Uh, I was on NFL Network. That's awesome. Yeah, I just watched it. Um, and How long I, have they been doing that? Showing like replays yeah, of random replays, games yeah, over the last number of months. Yeah. Um, but I want to say about the, about Brady and the Buccaneers, he is going to Bruce Arians, who's one of those Belichick type coaches, like an That's like true. an older like veteran. He knows what he's doing. If anyone's gonna like succeed with a guy like Brady, like Bruce Arians, one of those guys. They also got like their weapons there. I mean, Godwin, Howard. I don't Evans, like, you know, Gronk isn't Gronk. a weapon. Ah, I no, I he's, think a market, so. I, he's a marketing scheme. He's mostly a marketing scheme. I think he's that Gronk is still got here. I don't, I, honestly, I don't care. We're going to have to see, I guess. Yeah. Is he in playing shape? I don't even know. He looks like it. He is, looks but, like he's in great shape. He, I mean, I, I think he was wrestling for a bit, and obviously like, right. it's not the same as training for an NFL yeah. season, but he's. I think he's been staying yeah. in shape. Dude, too, Mike Evans, the guy's Chris huge. Godwin. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin with Brady. I mean, if Brady, like... Running game is weak. Running game is very weak. I agree with that. Ronald Jones? I don't know how good the O-line is also. It's not that good. It's nothing crazy. They sat. They uh. They drafted Tristan Wirfs. I think his name. Wirfs yeah. Worlds. Wirfs. You know, I saw Tristan Wirfs um was one year old when Brady made his debut. Really? Oh, Isn't that I so mean, crazy? Makes so much sense. His debut was what in ninety nine. Ninety eight. Ninety eight. Yeah, the guy's probably born in ninety six. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's like a weird thing to think about, because we're at we're at a point in in Brady's career where the majority of the people who he's playing with, probably everyone, like when they were watching football as children. They were watching him as the goat already. Yeah. Mike Evans looks, right. you know, Mike Evans is a guy who's how old? Is he 26, 27? Right. Yeah, right. Right? He and Chris Godwin's even younger. When they're in, you know, let's say 13 years ago, they're 13 years old, like when you really start to get into football. Right. They're already watching Brady in 07 at his peak. Right. That's amazing. That is amazing. That is crazy. It really, and now he's throwing the ball to them. Yeah. And I bet you there, there's going to be something, you know, they'll talk about it. I'm sure it's cool. 100%. It's really cool. It really great, is cool. Great interview feed. Fodder? Fodder. Fodder. Something. Yeah, fodder's a word. Fodder is a word. Food for thought, all that. Yeah. 
And I guess that pretty much wraps it up. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode in our series breaking down each division in the NFL prior to the 2020 NFL season. Thanks for joining, and we look forward to seeing you next week when we do the same with the AFC North and discuss a little bit more of the NBA's return-to-play plan in Orlando. Have a great night.